get it, you know I be on the way. Hey everybody, welcome to another exciting adventure of the live, somewhat version of Ride the Rebellion Podcast. If you're listening to this right now and saying, what do you mean live? Well, we are live currently on our Facebook channel. Uh, so hello out there in Facebook land. Today in the studio, we have that guy. Wait, are we live? <laughs> are, we li- are we live like right now? Yeah. yeah. Ah, fuck it. We'll do it live. Who, who was that? <laughs> I forget who did that. Uh, that's Nixon. We can start over. We can start over. <laughs> we can't. Yeah, it's too late now. It's already in the. It's happened. It's in the ethers. Um, and uh, with me, of course, is the king of the South Alabama turndown. The, the once reigning, the once defending, but still uh, janitorial manager of Dale Boyd's <laughs> sports management. Dale Boyd, uh, custodian. If you won't be a dick about it. <laughs> all right. You like custodian better than I? Don't, I wasn't I sure. It was on half baked. That's all I know. I'm half baked. It was on half baked. Not sure where you want to be with it all. Um, all right, so welcome to the show. Today, obviously, we're going to talk to Nixon, this guy. He looks straight down the barrel. Look at him. He's like a oh, I'm not afraid. Yeah, I don't know any of y'all, so I don't care. <laughs> so if we will talk to Nixon. Uh, he's got a, a quite an extensive background in riding, which I think will be fun. We've ridden with him some. He's ridden the Rebellion. He's hung out. He's ridden the South Trails. He was complimentary of him, which is amazingly awesome of him. Um, we did pay him for that, though. And so... <laughs> Uh, the rest of the show will just be that. The live stream will just be that. The live stream will potentially disappear. We don't know yet. We're just making this up as we go, as we always do. But first, we got to hit up the sponsors. And our first sponsor we'd like to talk about today, of course, is Dirt Coaster Academy. Nixon, you ever heard of Dirt Coaster Academy? I hadn't ever heard of them, but through your podcast, I heard about them, and I heard great things about them, and I do recommend people take lessons. There we go. I mean, you can't even go wrong with that scenario whatsoever. Dirt Coaster Academy... It's not, on you. <laughs> it's oh, not on you. It's not on you. No, I gave you the look like it was on you, but it wasn't. It's still on me at the moment. I'm like, uh. If you, if, uh, DCA, look, we talk about it all the time. The Dirt Coaster Academy has paid off for me in dividends, uh, like Nixon just said, and that's a guy that's been riding for a while. I think taking lessons is something that you get some of that when you share the stoke and you're riding with your buddies and you have good friends that, you know, like most of us out there, talk trash but also encourage you. That's important. But having someone actually work from a coaching standpoint, uh, pay dividends for me in my riding, it made me better. And then even like talking to like Kevin Black and some from Nixon the other day, just paying attention to how they ride and then asking little questions. So if you have some foundations that are established, then when you go out and ask other people stuff, you can build upon it. My training's gotten better via Kevin Black. Uh, I'm, I'm riding a lot harder, so I appreciate all that stuff. So if you have a chance, head over to DirtCoasterAcademy.com and check it out. Also, we can't be a shameless plug without Dale. Tell me about how your running's going. Uh, my running has actually increased exponentially. And by exponentially, I mean it went from zero to two last week. <laughs> um, I got back in the running game, and because of that, I went and stopped and saw Aaron at Run and Try, and he told me that I suck at running, and I'm the opposite of whatever you tell me, so I'm going to go do what I t- He said I suck, so I'm going to get better. And because of that, I, I love Aaron, and so- you should too. So what you're saying is go to Run and Try so he can tell you you <laughs> suck. Start, I, he tells me I suck. We run. It's live. I love run and try. We, we speak about it all the time. Dress up like a burrito. Get free shoes. That's correct. I don't I still, know if that's true. No, it, it still stands. True. I think he can't take it down. He can't. And no, unfortunately, when you make those kind of things into a podcast, it lives on forever. So now we're kind of stuck with him being in that boat. Nixon, do you run? I run my mouth. 
<laughs> and that's uh, got me in a lot of trouble. Talk shit, get hit, or something like that. Yeah. Mess around, find out. Yeah. Um, but I, I will say this: I used to run in uh, high school in the early long time ago. Uh, but I started running again because I saw Dale Strava, and he started doing these micro runs. Micro runs. Uh, that's being generous. Uh, but I was like, that's what I want. That's what I got to do. I, I actually kind of liked running back in the day, but th- th- I would try to do five miles or 10 miles. And then I hated. it. I was like, yeah, just do small runs. I always preach that on the bike, like do small rides first and then get bigger. And I was like, well, he's doing it. If he can do it, he's an idiot. I could, I could probably pull that off. So, so yeah, I started running again because of Dale. Thank you. Well, that's good. I mean, the only runs I have are the ones after drinking too much milk, <laughs> <laughs> the lactose kind. Um, all right. Speaking of drinking too much milk, this is no segue at all into Lucky Shot Coffee. I actually just bought a bunch of Lucky Shots. She's supposed to call me today so I can deliver it to my clients. We're giving it as gifts because I believe in Lucky Shot. And I think it is the tastiest coffee on earth. And we're we quite literally, we're going to put it in these coffin boxes. I think I showed them last time. I don't know where they are. Um, but we're going to give put the Lucky Shot into a coffee coffin. So I'm calling it coughing. Coughing. Oh, You like brilliant. that? Coughing? I see it. Right? I'm, yeah, supposed, I'm, supposed, I'm supposed to like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah, good I think one. you guys you are fantastic you, liars. You know why you're doing it? Because you got to shoot your shot. There it is. I knew it was coming. <laughs> I didn't want to take it from you. I you wanted did. you to say it. You wanted it. Nixon, do you think that you could have a better one line for Lucky Shot Coffee? And you have to just cue it up right off the top of your head. Ready? Three, two, one. Cue it. I don't have it. <laughs> I, I don't got it. I don't do well under pressure. No, I like shoot your shot. It was great. I identify that with the brand, totally. Well, there we are. Um, All right, so now we're going to jump into our favorite segment called Meet Nixon. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, I really like to get inked up. Oh, are we going to give them? Are we giving them the pass? Uh, Nixon, do you have any tattoos? I, I have one. Is it a tramp stamp? Uh, it's it's difficult to explain. It's um, it's like a three dimensional, like an MC Escher of the Grand Canyon. Do you guys want to see it? I don't uh, know no, I do not. I do not. I do not. No, 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 no. Damn. I don't feel like that. I'm no, not, no. Not ready. Uh, that is not. We're not there. I'll it's show you later. First live stream, and we got to see the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I mean, quite the oh, thing. Uh, I don't have any tattoos, but if I did, oh, I would be tattooed yeah. by, by Kevin Black. Right, absolutely. Who's white? <laughs> wow. What a play. You don't know that song, like Frank Black? Like, what is it? It's from um, the Bloodhound Gang. I'm not. Black like Barry White, oh, white yeah, yeah, like yeah. Frank Black is. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Who's Frank Black? Is that oh, the Pixies true? guy? That is the Pixies guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He's one of my favorite songs of all time. You ever heard the song uh, Los Angeles? I don't want to go Los Angeles. We just got demonetized. Oh, my voice man. is so close. And, and sued at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <it's exactly. laughs> so, I have not heard that song. Oh, it's fantastic. It's hey, a really good riff. Uh, I, totally off subject, but have you ever heard of the chocolate starfish hot dog flavored water? Oh, Hello Kitties? Incredible. Incredible. They were playing downtown last night. Oh, Rainbow. Wait, that's real? Rainbow Taco Surprise. Or no, they, uh, Rainbow Kitty Surprise. That one. Rainbow Kitten Surprise. Uh, Rainbow Cat Surprise. Have you heard of them? Know. No. Wow, this they a legit well, thing? I have no, no idea. Yeah, no, we're serious. I feel like I'm getting teamed up on with the, with the, with no. the Nixon approach to sarcasm. No, we were, <laughs> we were teamed up on. Absolutely. By, by the marquee. <laughs> at the place. And then Bug, met, Bug meets us down there. And he's but like, they have metal oh, band. No, they're like uh, the Mumford and Sons. But we assumed it was like a Korean punk band or something, yeah. just because we're I idiots. It was Korean girls, That's and we pulled it up on YouTube. Casey pulled it up. Uh, Casey, how you doing? Thanks so so much for hosting me, by the way. Uh, she pulled up a video, and it was like the setup with some wine glasses. And they're pouring, and I was like, "This is gonna, this is gonna blow up. It's gonna be crazy." And then this guitar came in, and the guy started singing, and I was like, 
holy crap, it sounds amazing. They sounded really good. We probably should have gone to the show. Yeah, we probably should have. Bug, Bug like, rolls in with all the other uh, goodwill-dressed children. Well said. Of, of his generation. Oh, boy. And they're all in there, and they're all like, well, yeah, you going to the show tonight? Hey, Bug, you going to the show? And Bug's like, oh, dude, you guys don't know who they are? They're They're great. And I was like, I mean, we didn't until five minutes ago. Yeah. But so yeah. we kept calling it like, is anybody going to that chocolate starfish hot dog flavored sausage water? Uh, we had a lot of different names. Kitty, Most of them appropriate. Kitty Magic Show. Oh, God. Yeah. So there so, we are. So this was a this was a sideways event is what you're saying. It, was it went sideways on you. Yeah. Did Bug went, pay for you guys to get in? We never went. Oh <laughs> we, no! We, we talked a lot go. of shit. We just and didn't go. Yeah, more fun. You stood out front and talked trash <laughs> at the show. <laughs> well, we were at the Loda right beside the venue. Oh, got it. Pointing and giggling, and is that a guy or girl? Yeah, Birdie. Birdie. <laughs> Do you have to play ball? Which Loda had decent food, in <laughs> my opinion. Did have uh, had a great cider selection. For those of you that care, what your drink tastes like. <laughs> And they got beer for all the high school kids too. Oh. If, if you're older, you know, old enough to drink. Ow. Hey, I don't, Birdie. I'm, I am literally. I'm not playing ball. <laughs> if you guys Look can't see her. this, but we literally have a dog pacing back and forth, try, giving us she all just the tennis. Smashed my hand. She if you heard it. that in the podcast, she literally came up and nudged my hand. She was like, "Come on, let's get busy." So, all right. So let's. That's our sponsor role. That's it. Because yeah. we fired one. Oh, sponsor. by the way, that was Man of War. Tattoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to close our sponsors, <laughs> don't forget to visit Kevin Black at Man of War. If you think we're great, I'm even wearing Black in Honor, Kevin, today. That's what I did. Perfect. I don't know what that means. Um, also, if you have a chance, uh, head over to ridetherebellion.com. Check out some merch. Mm-hmm. We always are grateful. And then you can follow us on all the social stuff. Now, let's play a little game called Meet Nixon. Nixon? Yes, sir. Tell us a little about yourself. Like, how long have you been riding a bicycle? I've been riding a bike... Uh, Somewhat obsessively since I was probably about seven years old. Uh, and it started with, and you can cut me off at any time. It started with, uh, that was what I was allowed to do. I wasn't allowed to skateboard. I wasn't allowed to surf. I wasn't allowed to do those kinds of things that I thought I wanted to do at the time. But my parents were like, well, you can ride a bike. So I got a bike and I used to have to wait by the door. So my mom could unlock the door and let me outside. And I would go ride my bike. And to me, it felt like complete. I know this is like a everybody says it, but it was complete freedom for me. Like I could roll on wheels and I could go around this block, which to me was my whole world. And it was, I was addicted to it right away. Uh, and then ever since then, just always been rolling on two wheels and have had an amazing life because of two wheels. Uh, maybe not because of two wheels, but maybe because of the people I met on two wheels. That's good. So if you, uh, when you think back over that, that run of time, like obviously there's the the kid side of things where you're young and it's like magical and I'm my monitor if I could maybe I could just nudge it just so I can see your face. When you're a kid it's magical and what's but as an adult what what was the have you have you chased that trying to capture that recapture that moment or has there been a moment where it stands out or that that makes you feel like you had that kid like freedom again? That I like that. I like the question. I like any question that makes me think for sure. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think that it's I think it's intrinsically it's in me to want to be rolling on wheels, and it's not. I'm not I don't do twenty four seven. You know, I'm not like that. But you I have always done some twenty four seven. You've done some endurance stuff. I've done some endurance stuff. Uh, I did do a twenty four hour, but well, that's sidetrack. But I think I think maybe maybe you onto something with wanting to chase that that feeling of being on wheels and and uh, for lack of a better term, like surfing. You know, especially in Florida, we're limited with surf, so we got a lot of great trails like you guys have here, unexpectedly, which is always a, a great surprise. But 
Yeah, I think it's always like if I'm on the bike, then I'm I'm free. That's and I'm going faster than I can walk, which and I'm sitting down because I'm inherently lazy. So I love all those things. I think we're all inherently lazy to some extent. Yes. Right. I mean, we it's... always look for that motivation. Maybe the motivation is like, hey, I want to feel like the freedom that you said. Like this morning, we, we put 20 miles in this morning, 23. But there was no cars. Like we kind of just buzzed across. Like we didn't have to stop at airport. Which right. People right. listening will, local will know. Like we, we were, it was great. The freedom of like we were alone together yeah. you know like not awkwardly alone well, eye contact I took on him, that was like him deep intense. into the woods <laughs> you have but pretty eyes by the way did, yeah so we went all you know we were essentially we didn't get passed by any cars all the way to south and then we get in the woods riding oh yeah it was cool so i think that you we do chase that aloneness or that freedom of because we're constantly being stimulated by phones or sound or in the sometimes when all you can hear is my voice because i never showed up on the bike and on the bike, yeah, that's a, only on the bike. <laughs> Holy shit! Which is great. You got great things to say for the first five minutes. It's amazing. Oh man! <laughs> uh, if you guys, if you ever have a chance, just go to Tallahassee. We'll get to that Trailer part. Tallahassee, and go hang out with Nixon. Just, just ride with him. Yeah. So what is it? So let's talk about. So we're chasing that, but then that to you led to. Were you professional? Were you a pro? Are you <clears throat> considered a pro? Did you? get paid to ride a bicycle? Did you, you sponsor? I mean, how's that work when you make that jump from a kid who loves riding bikes to a young man that loves riding bikes and then suddenly there's somebody p- putting some level of rules on you about riding bikes? Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Um, so let me just say this at the top as well because memory is a very fickle, interesting thing, right? We always paint, we always fill in these holes mm-hmm. and we make them bigger and better than what they were. So that being said, I'm going to, as I remember it, I'll, I'll say it. Um, but at some point, I was very fortunate to roll into a, uh, a sponsored position with a, with a great company, with great people in it and, and great bikes. Uh, and that did put something different on the, on, I just forgot what I was talking about. Where was I going with that? Well, I guess you're going with like how you how you kind of landed in on a pro or okay the pro yes thank you thank you and that's gonna happen a lot the pro the pro thing is interesting because like the word sponsorship there are so many different levels of what that means so from the outside where I was most of my life I was thinking okay if you're sponsored for something you're getting paid probably too much money and you get everything free and all these things that go with that what I learned in my experience was everybody's deal is different. Uh, that being said, uh, the professional side of it was, if you look at it one way, I was a professional because I was getting things that provided a great lifestyle for me. So not necessarily cash, but bikes that I had were way more than bikes that I, I could afford. Right. Um, and that gave me a, a different lifestyle in the riding parameters than what I was used to. So I got to do more with more opportunity, which was I'm forever grateful for and still grateful for this day. Um, but the professional thing was I never had a pro license, but I did race in open races, which is with some pros. So um, like at the Nationals at Mammoth, one of those years, oh, 2007, maybe 2005, I forget. Uh, but I remember jumping into the um, endurance race, which is a 60-mile marathon before it was marathon. And it was, it was brutal, uh, super tough, and I had a blast with it. Um, but I remember jumping in with big time pros and they're like, well, this is the open category. So it's open. It's everybody. And I was like, oh, I'm racing the pros. And I got smoked, but uh, I had a blast and I have to give credit to, uh, one of my guys that I hope you can hear that. 
because I hate it when I hear that when other podcasts do that. And that's more for me than anybody else. <clears throat> but on that race, um, because Cannondale, I, I think I fooled them somehow. Was like, hey, I'm not like a, a great rider. I'm not like super talented, but I knew how to sell myself. Right. So I could talk a good game. Um, and so they were like, hey, we should probably like help this guy out, and then he'll help us out, and we'll do this thing. And I didn't realize that the the people that were making that work for me. There's a real value um, to having fast riders, and there's a real value to having approachable riders. And the approachable riders are the ones they're going to remember. So as soon as I found myself in that, in that position to be um, somebody that can bring people behind the tape, like, hey, our team truck's here, and this, all this, you know, can't come back here, it's private. And we, hey, come on back here, let me show you. Here's a T-shirt and a sticker right. or whatever. Right. And that, that stuff lit a fire in me when, when I was getting that. So all of a sudden I got to be that guy and I was like, man, lighten people up. And these are, these are five-year-old kids and 50-year-old men that own multiple businesses. They're just as pumped to get a sticker and a hat and go behind the scenes. So uh, that did a lot for me as far as embracing that, uh, the, the professional side of things. So no pro license. I did race some open races. Um, I didn't think I did too bad. I had a blast. Uh, if you look at my racing career, I, I consider it completely successful for what I was doing because I never should have been there, in my opinion, in the first place. Right. So the people that put me there, um, I'm forever grateful. It was, it was again, I couldn't afford those bikes. I probably never would have traveled to those places and ridden those places. Um, and the people that I met were the best part of that. In that endurance race, I, if, if they get me out there to do these races, I do every race I can. I'll jump into a downhill race. I'll jump into a cross-country race. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll probably do terrible at all of them, but I'm having a blast. And I'll wheelie across the finish line, and I'll keep most of my clothes on or whatever whatever happens i, I like to keep it fun for me because i'm I, I like to win i've won a couple races in my lifetime um mostly because other people didn't show up but i'm fine with that it still counts <laughs> it does still count. uh, but this guy was a demo driver now a demo driver is somebody that typically drives a truck for a company and they drive typically back then all over the country and they stop at places and they hook up with bike shops and say hey you're a candle dealer the, the truck is coming with all these new bikes for next year. Get your customers to come. We'll go to a park, and you guys can demo these bikes, sign a waiver, blah, blah. Uh, so these demo drivers are, in my eyes, they're my heroes. Just saw Sasquatch. Uh, they're my heroes because they work endlessly, and they do these driving jobs from – it rarely is uh, from Reno to Vegas. It's usually from Reno to New York City and then back to Vegas and then over to – Canada and then back down to Florida. It's right. it's that that's what the job has been for a long time. Uh, but those guys were always super supportive of me because part of my what I deemed as a lack of talent in riding was like you show up to these races and they paid real money for you to be here and they gave you a sweet bike and you're doing all this, you better hop out. So I was always in the pits, whether I was wrenching or cleaning bikes or sweeping or or more importantly, sometimes for those guys who are also mechanics. Entertain the crowd that's there waiting in line to ride these bikes because they're sitting in the sun. They're waiting to ride these sweet bikes. Entertain them a little bit. So tell a couple jokes and whatever and keep them entertained. And uh, this guy, Jack Daniel, I forget his last name, but I remember his first two names. Jack Daniel was a demo driver. Jack Daniel. (laughs) Yeah, was a demo driver for us and great guy, super fun. And he goes, hey, do you need a feed for this? You're going to do three laps, and I think they're 20 miles each at at 14,000 feet or whatever, 10 to 14,000 feet. Gee, and man. I was like, I don't need a feet. I, I, I really don't like water. The fact I'm drinking it now is amazing. I'm not, I've never been a fan of water, which I have a fact I'll tell you later about water I learned this weekend from Ronan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he says, well, you're going to need a handoff. You're going to need a handoff. I'm like, okay, well, give me a handoff. And he also told me something valuable about racing. He goes, uh, hey, when you race, are you going to go hard? I'm like, well, it's a 60-mile race. I'm, I'm going to go as hard as I you know, feel. i got to save the bike. And he goes, you've got team bikes on the truck. All those bikes are yours. 
if you know that you can race a little harder on the bike, knowing you've got some spares, you might be faster. So go for Whoa. it. I was like, oh, man. That took, alleviated a part of the, the, the thought process going into the racing and, the, and really to help me. It really helped me like, yeah, go for it. If you've got to take a chance and hit something a little harder. Uh, so I came through for a feed zone. And sure enough, he had a water bottle for me. had a little bit of ice in it. It was like, oh, dude, great. And I wasn't, I wasn't doing terrible. I was actually doing okay. And then 40 miles in, I come back around for the last feed. And he's there, and there's a, now there's a crowd of people. They've already seen the pros come by probably like four hours ago, whatever. I don't know. They're probably finished already. But I'm coming through, and there's, there's hundreds of people around. It's like I guess the races had kind of converged, and now everybody's watching the marathon, whatever happened, the national championship. And I come through, and Jack is in the lane. So everybody's out of the lane. He's in the lane. We're racing under the timer. And he's like, Nixon, Nixon. So he's already, like, bigging me up. You know, I'm like, oh, here comes the feed. You know, I'm going to take spot. And he goes, you want water? You want water? Or you want a cheeseburger? And I was like, <laughs> obviously, I took the cheeseburger. Right. And that was probably the hardest 20 miles of my life, having sucked out three bites of a cheeseburger that I shoved in my pocket. I was like, what an idiot. But the crowd went Ape shit. Again, in my mind, maybe they didn't even see it happen. I don't know. <laughs> they went crazy, like, what an idiot. And I was yeah. like, wow, perfect. I guess riding a Cannondale. Well, we just sold two more. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. sidetrack real quick. Yep. Uh, we have one listener. His name's Bug. He said it's super staticky on the live feed. Uh, it probably is. There's probably not much. I, like I told you, All right, Bug, I tested we love it you. once. It worked great. Will be what it is. That's why we the live part is always the uh, live You part. can listen to it on Friday. You can listen out. live when it comes out. Live Good morning, Bug. Good morning, Bug. Yes, right. <laughs> it's so weird because it was so clean a little while ago, and I have no idea why it is now. It's an odd thing. Like I said, I don't know exactly how to make it all perfect, except for in the post part. Going live is a whole different beast. So, so when you go back and look at, um, when you go back and think about like those those big ass races, those marathon races, and these endurance races or whatever it was, like, how do you prepare your brain for that? Because here's my problem. I like to go, I, I don't like to ride a lap. I have a problem with laps. It's just the way my brain's always been. So if I get super bored, then my brain shuts down and that is not safe on a bike. Right. right? I will crash because I'm just clocked out. So if I'm riding, I could like what you guys did this morning is a great example. I can do that because you ride up, you ride a track and I ride home. And my brain can handle it. Right. But if you told me I had to ride three laps at South Alabama, I, I just, I physically, my brain shuts down. And that's a problem with my brain. I right. Can, how do you... You're talking about 60 miles of that, and it's climbs, and it's tough elevation. And I think you've done even more. You've done a 24, have you not? I have competed in a 24. I entered, and I finished. But that's let's just leave it there. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't well, pretty. So how do you deal with that side? I mean, how do you process through that? Because that seems to be, at least to me, that's crazy on the endurance side. We, we tend to... I'm, I'm like I'm knowledgeable, but this is, again, my opinion. I think what we do is we play to our talents... So right. we do what we're best at, right? To do something that we suck at is, it's tough, especially as guys. We have that ego that we're like, listen, I'm not, you know, I've, I've had a couple people in my life say like, man, you seem to be pretty decent at most things. I'm like, no, I just don't do the things I'm terrible at because I don't want to be terrible at something. Uh, so that being said, I, I, was, I wasn't huge on the endurance riding until I realized that I didn't like the regular cross-country format. It was too fast. It was too short. It was like an hour and 45 or two hours. And I much preferred being on the bike longer just because I liked riding bikes. Right. Uh, and then at the time, it just was falling in with my relationship with Cannondale that I did a 12-hour race in, uh, in a place called Olita River State Park in North Miami Beach. Uh, side note, at three different races. Yeah. 
This is a good one. Three different races in North Miami Beach. We've had three separate world champion mountain bikers quit. Quit the race? Like, like, like how far in did they quit? Uh, uh, pretty early. Pretty early. One of them quit. Two of them quit on a regular cross-country race, which is uh, probably going to be 24 miles around that. So that was a single-speed world champ quit and a master's Brazilian world champ quit two different races at the same park. And then at a 12-hour race, uh, one of my kind of teammates uh, did a couple laps, and I had advised him, hey, come early, let's pre-ride, and don't bring your hardtail. Well, this gentleman decided, it's Florida, I'm bringing my hardtail, I don't need a pre-ride. So as my boy was shoving hot macaroni and cheese with tinfoil into my back pockets, which was a great secret, by the way, it was like a back warmer, and, I, oh, it, was, and it was real food that I could genius. eat. So as he was doing that on like my fourth lap, this guy comes over to me um, and says, that's not fucking mountain biking. And then I said, as I was leaving, I said, well, I told you, you should pre-ride and don't bring a hardtail. And I went away and then he went home. Interesting. That gentleman you might know as Tinker Juarez. Interesting. Yeah. He's a quitter. So I beat him technically. I mean, well, you won. Yeah. So I didn't win, but I, I, I have won I that race like, before. I, I think that outlasting counts. It does. It, well, that's, yes. At, at any level, whatever... If you finish first, it doesn't have to be pretty. You can drag your bike across. You can whatever it is. If you finish first, and that, that's what it is. If people don't show up, you win. Racing, it's it's like art. It's different for everybody. You know, everybody's right. got a different idea of what they're going there for. And, and if you again, if you look at my stats, which are their stats right there, there, uh, <laughs> it is pretty obvious that I was there for the fun. So when I hear somebody say like, um, "I'm just gonna, be, I'm just here for the fun of it." Usually they're kind of discounting what they're going to do in the race because they're kind of right. giving you a heads up like, hey, if I lose, then I was just here for fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you really can. There's plenty of people out there just really going out there and having fun and getting dead last. And there's people having a blast and winning. And there's people in the middle. And also with that, there's people that maybe take it too serious and, and they're not doing well. Or maybe they take it too serious. And do, it, really, racing is whatever you make of it. There, it, was a, there was a golf theory we always used to say, too. It's similar to that, like, no one cares how you got to the hole. Right. It's the, mat, the score you write down on the card. Right? Yeah. Like, no one cares how pretty it was to get there. You could have the best drive. I learned this from an old man that would out, he would hit 150 yards at a time. Right. And I would smash the ball and, like, think I was great laying in the middle of the fairway. And he'd casually walk up and tip his hat. He just, it, nothing was pretty. Nothing was extravagant. Nothing was great. He would whip my ass every single round because mm-hmm. it was just consistent. You want to tell them the, uh, Old bull, young bull? No, you need to because it's funny. That's a good. That's good. Now, I was going to ask later, but it's good. Your, I, your position. So now that you've raced and you've done all these things, and you're still racing, you still compete a little bit. No, I think you retired, right? De facto retired. Yeah, yeah. Semi, Semi-retired. Yeah. Did you, now, did you, did you did you retire? Or did you Ragnarok? So I have this theory that at some point I'm going to get Ragnaroked out of a situation. Like I'm a creative guy, but there is a there is a point in which my knowledge and wisdom and my skill set will exist to teach others, but it, I won't necessarily be, and I'm comfortable with this, so please don't take it personally, but I won't necessarily be, because physically I'm just not. Uh, I don't have the physical capability or the mental capability to be the number one guy anymore. Right. But I do have the ability to, to inspire maybe that number one guy. So I always call it Ragnarok. My therapist hates it when I say that, but I'm like, it's real. I'm going to literally have creative Ragnarok. I will cease to exist creatively. Right, right. She's like, why do you say that? I was like, because it's a real thing. One day it will happen. Do you feel like that's something? Or do you feel like 
the upside with your situation is you get to go on forever with it. And though writing may disappear or lessen or competition may lessen, knowledge doesn't shift down that pipeline. But I was kind of teeing up the bulls there too. But like, I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that side of it? I, I think because I really, I really did feel incredibly, I, I, it's hard to express the words. The position I was in with that company was so amazing that I was ready for it to drop mid-season. I was ready for them to say, hey, you know what? We're moving in a different direction, and um, we're going to do something else. And I was like, hey, first of all, thank you so much for what you have given me already. Um, I feel like I should be mentioning names, but there's, there's so many names. Like, right. literally everybody in my life, including you guys, have been part of my success story. That's, that's no doubt. So I, it, so I will say uh, Matt Jewett and Sun, uh, Sean Sunheim and Ravi Rajkumar, and, and I mean, so many people, Cindy, we go down the It's Linda Frazier. Troy Laffey. I mean, I'm, I almost feel bad leaving people out. It's like right. I shouldn't say names, so scrap that. <laughs> scrap. Well, it's too late now. Fuck <laughs> yeah, it. We'll show. do it live. <laughs> um, but so, so I was always ready, I guess, for the other shoe to drop. And when it came, um, when my official contract sponsorship ended, it was seven years of being on uh, a team for Candale. And that was, again, year one was like, what? Yeah, like, what am I doing here? And that was before I got my, my stuff. It was like, wow, crazy. And then every year was like, okay, probably not going to happen again. And I remember um, much more talented and nicer guys and, and girls that would make the team and then wouldn't be on the team again. And then I kept making it. And some of these people would, would talk to me and be like, how are you still? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I think it has something to do with, with the fact that I would show up to the races. And it was in our contract. We had a seven-page contract. It was, in our, it was in our contract to be like, hey, show up to the truck if it's there. Uh, do these things, which are so simple. Mm -hmm. But but people kind of like blow that off um, and help the demo driver. Because that job is one of the hardest jobs with the bike company and go help them. And I reveled in that. So I was doing that before I got hooked up, which is probably why I got hooked up, part of it. Um, so I always liked doing that. And it was part of the show. And then for the demo guys... It's like a dream job. They sell it as a dream job. All the companies do like, hey, you get to ride all the way across the country and all the cool places. It's almost worse because you get to work for sometimes 10, sometimes 15 hours setting up and it's windy or it's snowing or it's raining and you still got to set up because you still got to do it for the shop and the people show up and you're there and you got to do all the stuff and have donuts and have coffee and hopefully you've got a guy to go get coffee and entertain the people mm -hmm. and then you pack up and then you do it Saturday and then you do it Sunday. You might have done it Friday and then when it comes to ride, you're not, you, the mountains are right there, the trail's right there, but how are you riding after all that working and doing all the stuff? Yeah. So I, I took it upon myself with the first demo truck, who was Jack Daniel, Gebert. That's who, Jack Gebert. When he showed up in, in Florida to my first bike shop I worked at in Fort Lauderdale, he showed up with a box truck with like eight random Cannondales and said, hey, man, you want to go do a demo? And I was like, I'm off on Saturdays. Let's go do it. So we worked, and people randomly, we didn't get a permit. We didn't need anything. We got people riding bikes. We rode the bikes. And then at 5 p.m., he says, okay, I think we're done. I'm like, oh, let's pack up. So we packed up really quick, took the tents down, the poles. And I go, you want to ride? He goes, we never are done this early. I'm usually in the dark. I mean, let's go ride. So I was like, well, that's every time you come down, I'm going to make sure that I'm with you. Oh, man. And he gave me a T-shirt. I was like, oh, I made it. I'm big time. Look look at this. It doesn't fit, but look at this. I'm, I made it. And he he was so thankful for that. And we wound up traveling together and and, and uh, he was my support for a lot of races. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait, wait if I if I – get in there and, and help him they're gonna fly me out and the race is gonna be a mammoth and i'm gonna meet him in southern california that's two weeks on the road in california working for the company so it was a lot of volunteer stuff which there's many ways we just talked about getting sponsored there's so many variations of sponsorship literally it's limitless but my way in was doing the volunteer work 
and not expecting much in return. Um, so every time they did do something for me, I felt like I should do more. So it was kind of a, it was a great give and take relationship. Um, one of my boys who was a rep and now is, is up in, in Cannondale, pretty high up, a super nice guy, Harrison Levins. Uh, he told me like, Hey, if you think that we give you more than you deserve, that's going to last for a long time because we feel like we don't do enough for you. Wow. And after, after 20 years of, of sponsorship still, I was like, man, thank you for saying that. Just it just is a little nudge, like, man, great, I, you recognize what I'm doing, and and I'm super thankful for what you're doing. And again, when it ends, if and when it ends, which it will, I'm so thankful for the opportunities because it's been a dream life that led me to here, which is part of the dream. Mm-hmm. Awesome. No, I mean, I, look, I I think it's fascinating just riding with you and talking with you and having those conversations of knowing that someone. Um, was able to, we always, you hear these cliches of like pursue your passions, right? But you literally did it. And it's rare when you hear somebody that, that saw beyond uh, the passion being a paycheck and you said, hey, this is where I want to be. This is, I just, something internal of you. I, I talk about a lot on the show, like how important it is. This internal chemistry, some some wiring in your brain pushed you into that further because the gram didn't exist. Right. You weren't doing it for the gram. <clears throat> no. You weren't doing it for Facebook likes. No. You literally did it because internal to you, you were very fortunate individual to actually have touched the very thing that most people, you touched your, let's call it soul, but you touched that piece that was like this, you got to see it. And that's right. so rare. I mean, to me, that's fascinating. So even just spending time talking to you, like we're laughing, we're goofing off and doing a lot of stuff. But I came back and told my wife, I was like, I had the most motivational ride. Just the vibe from you is positive. So I'm, I just want you to know that I appreciate you. Like that's a big, and I just met you. Thank you. But I, I appreciate, I can feel the energy from it. And I feel like it, hopefully the rest of the audience here gets that same vibe. Cause that's huge, man. That's a big, that's a big deal to have that sort of energy come from that. I appreciate How that. How do you keep it up? So, I mean, not up so long, you know what I'm saying? How do you no, keep explain. your energy? Please explain. <laughs> how do you keep it's your, blue. how do you keep your energy up so high? Like we had a conversation about trails and you, you, you talked about it. You're like, you know, I've heard people complain about them. And then you talked about shifting your perspective. How did you, how do you go through the process? You can't just do it for trails. I'm sure you've had to shift your mindset all the time. How do you keep your stoke up high? How do you get people to just fall in love with you and be like, this guy's incredible all the time. I mean, what is that? Where's that coming from? Fooling people. <laughs> like just lying, bullshit, putting on a face yeah. and then later being like, forget those monkey fighters right uh, monkey fighters i'm gonna use that one uh, two one. two things i hope your mom has her curse clicker on because i'm about she to blow that up does. better yeah, be triple digits too because i'm about to out. freak out uh so i'm gonna back up a little bit because um i love the conversation it's very engaging it's very like it gets me thinking i love it i haven't thought about this stuff for a long time so i'm i'm first of all i'm flattered to be here i, I love it I'm, I'm i think this is great um part of so part one is keeping the stoke up is finding where that energy is. So I don't have this energy. I feel, and this is a complete hippie. I'm not a hippie for many reasons. What did you say? For many reasons. I like war and meat. Yeah. I mean, that's (laughs) kind of anti. Yeah. I'm not a hippie. I like war and meat. I mean, it's not that I, I I mean, I get the, anyway, the mechanics behind it are different. And and, and if you're offended, I was offended first. I already said that. So that's how it works. I identify as being offended all time. So fuck off. Okay. Go and click it again. That's three. Uh, But so what I do is, Selfishly, I feel like if I can reflect that vibe, then that's that's where it is. Because we all have energies and oh, hippie stuff. We all have that, I think. Um, but when I heard your podcast, when I met Dale, and then 
heard the podcast, that was another cache, cache of positive energy. Like, and I was so pumped about what you guys were talking about. I remember mowing the lawn, having headphones on and listening because I said I would. So I'll listen to it. And if I don't like it, I'll turn it off right. and listen to it. And it ended way too soon. I was like, oh, when's the next one coming out? You know, kind of like Yellowstone. Right? Yeah, they, oh wow! Like waiting for yeah, the next one. Got a Yellowstone Woo. comparison. We'll take it all day. I I've never seen like, it, but I'm I mean, just I'm pretty, that's just what they say. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I kind of look like Rip a little bit. Yeah, you 100 percent the kid, like the Rip kid Taylor. Taylor. The you look kid just version. like yeah. Rip Taylor. 100. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh man, uh, but so 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 that was one part of it. That this is it provided a big part of Stoke for me, right? Because it's it's energy, and we all need energy. So I, when I clued into this. I tell people about it all the time, like, you should listen to this podcast. You should listen to this. I've got a couple of guys in Tallahassee that um, are doing some stuff like that. And I'm like, well, go listen to this. This is great. And one of the things I say uh, is, like, it's so cool to hear because I remember being there. I remember the energy and the enthusiasm and the opinions about things like spandex or tights or road bikes or things like that. Wow. Um, so I remember those things. And I'm like, man, they are not wrong. And my, one of my favorite words is perspective. I have a different perspective. They're bringing me back to that perspective. What's the difference? What changed my mind? So I'm, I'm in tune. I listen to every episode because that's, it's entertaining. for I love it uh, because it teaches me about me, about accepting. The other part is uh, that energy that I have to, to pursue my dreams and, and do all the stuff is only because the people in my life have afforded me that. Like all the people, the people at Candale, the, the friends, the people I ride with, the people, that, the haters that motivate me. Everybody has, has really, if they weren't there, I, I wouldn't have made it like that for sure. It's interesting because we, you know, we talk a ton about community on the show. And, we, and look, I, it, this is slightly controversial. I'm not zinging it, but like we talk about how our chapter, necessarily our IMBA chapter here, is no fault of any person involved locally. It's just the <clears> way that those things go. They just have a different vibe. And what's happened is originally... We were, I was telling you the story. We broke off. The rebellion breaks off, and it, and it was called the rebellion because we were moving away from that. Right, right. We started a community, and then through Dale's partnership on, on this, Dale kept up the fight better. Some of us quit, right? Some of us walked away, and then Dale's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant my flag, and I'm going to fight for all the territory. And he did an admirable job at it and got us. Now, all of a sudden, the rebellion is the Samba community. Samba is the rebellion. Now we become one, and what's happened, to your point, I feel better mentally, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it might be. I ride for mental health reasons too, but I get a lot more out of it now than just physical activity. Right. I gain this community side, which creates stoke in me that transfers over. Or, I mean, my employees will tell you, like, they can tell when I'm either planning to go riding or I've come back from a good ride because my entire persona is different. Right. Uh, and they'll say, go ride your bike. They'll kick me out and send me on my way. We had the same talk while we were riding this morning. I, I had my headphones in. I didn't hear shit. Oh, shit. That's the trick. I can last oh forever God. with this guy. I turn the I headphones up. I talk and... with myself this morning. <laughs> There's a homeless dude in the woods and him and I talked. He heard me. Yeah, yeah boy, yeah. sports management. I just talked to myself on I a regular basis. Soup. I would listen to Rogan in my headphones, but he doesn't hear me when I'm talking. He just keeps talking. It just it frustrates me. <laughs> what is your, uh, what is the, uh, what, so over the course of that, and you've seen technology change with bikes. You've seen, you talked about like spandex coming in and, and going out and all these different trends. And uh, it's never gone out, by the way. But go ahead, go ahead. No, no. <laughs> I would, could you address the camera for that one? Go ahead and let's, let's, let's a little game. Let's have a little debate. Let's, let's pitch for spandex. Nixon first. Oh, have you, have you put it on? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Do you think there's a weight requirement for that though? Cause guys like me. Are little- no, you don't have to wait. Just buy it. Don't wait. <laughs> oh no he's not a listen if 
If you've ever been described as husky. Today I was. This oh, monkey no, fighter. This monkey that. fighter said, "Hey, husky." No, no, no. It's no. like you trying to get around me. There was a trash box on the side. You're of the calling road me a trash box? A husky, <laughs> a husky trash, trash box. <laughs> that sounds like the band. Right. Squirrel nut sausage band. water. <laughs> yeah, sausage water. Yeah, it was a. There was a husky box. I didn't say it. How convenient. Whatever. Conversation. So that's it. Just have you ever tried it? That's your your quote to Spanish. Oh, uh, it's okay. There's a purpose for it. And I'm going to step, step out of my range like I always do. I guess you can assume I'm out of my range. But I think there was even a, and this is a stretch, but I think there was an NBA team that tried tights. We'll call them tights because even your bro stuff has spandex in it, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so there was an NBA team that tried tights, and they were proven to be faster and more efficient and better sweat dissipation. Interesting. But it just didn't vibe with the crowd, so they didn't do it. That leads into another, and I'll, I'll spiral off a bunch. That leads you to another thing. I don't know if you ever saw the pictures where downhillers were wearing skin suits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were fast as shit. Right. Crazy fast. And, I mean, they were plasticized. I mean, it was like they had their, they had their pads underneath, and they were like almost like uh, air dried on, like like heater gun dried on. It was amazing. And then they disappeared. Why did they disappear? They disappeared because the governing body, uh, I think it was UCI, decided... Yeah, it's a rule now. You can't have skin suits anymore. Oh, that's oh, bullshit. Oh, that's, and there's a lot of like kerfuffle about it. And this, this is before social media. A lot of like, well, oh, I can't believe they would do that, you know. And come to find out the people that that were lobbying for that anti-skin suit were the sponsors that were paying the people to race, but they weren't racing in their stuff. We talked about sponsorship and expecting the easy stuff like, hey, make sure you ride the tires we give you. Right. You know, right. if you don't like them, don't say anything. Find the tire they make that you do like. But whatever we give you, ride them. Right? We're giving you the stuff. It's, it's like being paid. Uh, so that being said, they lobbied. They got in the rules. And now they all wear the – but you'll notice they're getting a little tighter. As we go on a season to season, they're getting just a little tighter to get a little more arrow because it matters. So back to, this, that, back to the tights thing, it dissipates. It's supposed to fit tight. When they buy something loose, it's to hide some proportions sometimes or whatever. Or there's also the uh, social aspect of being accepted. We don't want to wear a tight thing because our friends make fun of it. By the way, your friends are your friends, and they're always going to make fun of you, no matter what you have. <laughs> That's right. You bro it out. You've got your flat brim hat and your whatever. You're, you're doing all the right things, and you got a, a visor that sits up vertically, and that keeps – I don't know how that keeps the sun up, but I'm old, so I'm old school. Uh, your friends will make fun of you. That's what it, no matter what you have. So whatever's comfortable for you, do that. But as far as efficiency, the tights are – Amazing. They disappear, and if they're on your body, they have like a double grid system, most of them, where they pull the sweat off, and then they, on a small grid system, they put it to an outside bigger grid system, and the air takes it away, so you're dry. So I tell people, like, I don't, I don't sweat. I mean, obviously I do, but the clothes take it away right away. And there's somewhat of a compression component on the legs, too, if you get the right stuff, and that feels, it's like a little hug where you're right, riding, right. racing, whatever, you know. So the, I'm all about it, uh, but I do have bro outfits that, depending on my crowd, I got to kind of chameleon and blend in a little bit. Right. I'm like, hey, let's go, on, man. And they think like, oh, this guy's a big stone or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, perfect. I'm I'm in the zone that we do that. And then. But have you guys heard about Cannondale? Oh yeah, probably. <laughs> I probably put a sticker on their car already. Yeah, I'm already <laughs> in trouble for that. They've heard about it for sure. You just walk by and just toss one on their car and just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm wearing a shirt. Maybe I'm wearing two shirts to say Cannondale. Maybe my socks or my hat. Or there's always something. It's uh, I've always liked that. It's part of my identity. I feel like. Um, I feel like just, just putting it out there and, and representing who you are naturally, mm-hmm. if it's a positive, it's going to do any company good, which is why coming back to sponsorships, go for it. You don't have to be that fast. You don't have to be that talented. But if you want to go for it, go for it. 
the more open you are to whoever it is that's offering you something, go for it and represent it as good as you can because that tends to spiral into more of whatever. Yeah, I think that's the sound advice for like anybody and passionate about anything. Like even employment, if I see somebody that's really, I got a guy that's vying for a job and he uh, not being paid has sold like three or four different clients, like at least set up meetings right? because he is hungry for the job. Well, that says to me, He's worth investing into. It may not be the time. I had to push him off a little bit. Right. But now it's like, bro, okay, I have the money. Or you closed a deal. Same thing. Right. This guy sold 10 bikes. And yeah. we didn't have to spend any money on it. Mm-hmm. It's still a business. Right. As much as we love the, the riding and all that stuff, like, it's a business. And so, right. anyway, to your point. Now, I got to know, though, but the technology side, what is the what is the thing that you've seen, the biggest shift? I mean, spandex was one. You made that. But, like, what's the shift that you've seen? I mean, geometry's changed. Obviously, wheel size has changed. There's been a lot of different stuff. What's one of the ones t- to you that stands out that's been like a big shift or that you think shifted the, the entire community or, or the ride or any of that? What's a big change you saw over, over your... Because you've written a lot. You've, you've experienced a lot. And I think that's an interesting... To me, it's always fascinating to hear that kind of stuff. Okay. I, I would say there's... there's Because I'm, I've been around for so long, you can say old. I'm fine with that. I'm pretty comfortable. Uh, I've seen so much change. Maybe one of my favorite things is um, like the amazing thing of like electronic lockout. Mm. Like that's, that's so cool. Like this is, and I like that because it's cool, convenient. Um, do I have to have it? No. Would I ride it? I'll ride it. I'm to the point now where I'll ride anything because I used to shit talk about everything. And now I'm riding all that stuff. Right. So I'm, I'm again, Going with an open mind, being like, I'll try anything. And if it's not for me, it's not for me. But it doesn't mean I can't sell it to somebody that does want it. So back to <clears throat> technology. I've always loved things like electronic shifting. <clears throat> now, this is the, the a-hole part of me that comes out. Uh, we had a guy from a company, Magura, who makes amazing stuff. And he came into my shop. I was working at Miami this time. And uh, he comes in. He goes, he did a whole clinic with us with the brakes and stuff. And it was great. Very informative. The guy was super good. Uh, and... At the very end of it, he goes, hey, you guys want to see something cool? This is like 2000 and maybe uh, 17, maybe. You guys want to see something cool? Yeah, sure, sure. He goes in the truck, comes back. Always when they go back to the truck, it's like mystery, right? <laughs> comes back and he has suspension with electronic lockout. This is 2017. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And then I sat back and the other guy looks at me and goes, you can tell him? I was like, I'm going to wait till he's done. So he shows all the mechanics and stuff. And he goes, isn't that the coolest thing you ever seen? I'm like, uh. Kind of, except that it was on a Cannondale in 2000. Wow. He's like, what? This is the guy who's been in the business longer than I have. Right. And I said, yeah, we had a, a ELO, electronic lockout, on a lefty back in 2000, and it was sold to the public. It wasn't like one of these one-off things. It was actually a viable concept that we had. So I've always, uh, you hear a lot about innovation, and every company, there's amazing things about in- innovation or imitation, depending who you ask. Uh, but the innovation of Cannondale, having been on the inside, I'm sure at any other company I would have been privy to those things as well uh but that was always amazing to me like how they were pushing the boundaries and doing things like uh in 2010 they had a bike called simon that wasn't production yet but they made six of them and a guy named stanley song an amazing engineer and also an amazing person uh teamed up with candle and they did an electronic while you ride would adjust your suspension Oh, didn't didn't that come out later with like Honda do something very similar to that? That like on the downhill side? They might have with Menar's yeah. uh, old bike that he could never take home. It was like such a prototype. Yep. But you know now as as Fox Live Valve. Oh wow! And it's so cool. But again, was already done. And and uh, we talked about Tom Petty and Red Hot Chili Peppers. There was like a thing a couple of years ago where 
uh, Chili Peppers stole a song that sounded like uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance, and they interviewed Tom Petty for the for the for the clickbait, like, oh, what are you gonna do? And he goes, uh, a lot of our songs sound the same. I, I mean, I've got influenced by other people my whole life. I made a living out of it. Kind of diffused the situation. So I'm not saying that the company that I'm affiliated with did everything first, but man, they they really had the balls to go for stuff. Dogs and cats. Is that Sasquatch? No, that was uh, that's oh. the mailman. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just waiting to see if it... It didn't escalate. Maybe no. she's getting used to him. So when you... When, when you started out, you born in California, is that what I heard? Yes. And then how did you... Did you... It sounds like there's a lot of Florida time. There was a lot of Florida time. I, uh... Wait, wait, wait. The most interesting time was not in the United States, though. Oh, wait. Wow. He, he went to Hogwarts. I did, I did. Straight up Hogwarts. I went to Hogwarts. Um, That's real. So I, I was born in California, Long Beach, California. Um, and then my dad had a job with um, a company called Fleur. And they did a lot with uh, production of uh, petrochemicals and things like that. Uh, so gas, this is as far as I remember it, gas kind of dried up in the 70s. You guys probably don't remember it too young. But there was like a real job shortage and gas shortage. And so... Uh, the company said, like, hey, we don't have a job for you. And my dad apparently was like, well, I'll, I'll go anywhere. And they're like, okay, well, you go to England. So we went to England, uh, and we were there for a couple of years. And I was super young at that point. And then we came back, and then they said, hey, still kind of rough on the job thing. And they, he said, I'll go anywhere. And then they took the three kids at that time and my mom and we went to Belgium. So we lived there for a few years. Whoa. Then we came back, and that was kind of our last hurrah. And then a couple of years later, they were like, hey, we're moving to South Africa. We're going for 18 months. This is the contract. And for whatever, because I've been a contrarian my whole life, sorry, mom and dad. Uh, but my, my immediate instinct, 10 years old, was like, I don't want to go. I've got friends here. I don't want to go. So we went. 18 months turned into six years. But in those formative years of 10 to 16, um, it was what, a, what an amazing place to. And, and I've, I'm learning that the things that I'm most resistant to are the things that change my life for the better. Aha. And even though I know that now. I'm still going to resist the stuff that's probably the best for me right. because that's I'm an idiot. Right. So I learned the hard way all the time. Uh, but but growing up there was an amazing opportunity to ride bikes in the outdoors because. So mean, you got to ride in Belgium. So I'm sorry, in, in Africa, South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Sorry. sorry. Yeah. So that's I started riding at seven in California, and then I don't think from seven to ten was when we had already come back from England. So there was that gap riding in California, uh, mostly just a basic. It looked like a mini cruiser. It was a, a tornado, Schwinn tornado. I love that bike. Uh, and then once we went to Africa, we got better bikes because we were getting bigger. And that's kind of like the only outlet we had to really go outside. It wasn't a lot of skateboarding over there. Uh, we were way too far to surf or anything else, which I'm sure my parents were happy about because that was kind of... It's Shark City, USA over there too. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. We, were, we were at the beach in Durban once. And there's nobody at the beach. And it's like a sunny day. It's beautiful. And we go jump in the ocean. Wow, we're having a great time. And my mom's like not in the ocean, whatever. And somebody comes by and says, uh, the Prachi Afrikaans? And she, no, we don't speak Afrikaans. And then uh, he tries to tell her in broken English, like, this is a shark sign that says there are sharks today. Like, don't go there. And we're like in the water. My mom's like, you got to get out of the water. Like freaking out. Oh, my God. It's like, like straight jaws. out of Jaws. Straight Jaws. Oh, it was. I mean, of course, I'm like, we can't hear because like a movie, you can't hear. So but nothing happened, thankfully. Um, we did. I've seen uh, documentaries about sharks in South Africa. We did realize that. It looks like a volleyball court, like a, a sand beach volleyball court. The way they were putting up nets was you can't net from floor to ceiling of the water. They just net like the f first four feet. Right. 
So the sharks, I know they're not stupid. I mean, they just go under the net. The nets right. are not really, I mean, they catch one of a thousand sharks or whatever. But we got lucky that day, didn't see any sharks, and had a great time. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and back in this this whole, uh, did, um, so you end up in Florida, though? Like, where does that, because it, it seems like, I mean, I wouldn't peg Florida, as we said earlier, as an epic mountain bike s- scenario. As a what bike? Epic, like a, a great mountain bike location. Mountain bike. What's what's a mountain bike? That's okay. the, that's the other word that I've learned this weekend. Oh, got it. But that's wait, so you say mountain bike like bikes in the mountains? I see what you're saying. Because because yeah, yeah. Tour de France goes through the mountains. Yeah. And those are enough. what bikes? That's those are road enough. bikes. Those are road bikes. So <laughs> what we're doing here okay. together? I wouldn't peg is... it as a major biking location because it's uh, aside from road biking, I wouldn't assume any off road or any of that side mm-hmm. of things would be in that space. But then obviously there's now like. Alafia. I don't want to mess up the name. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. And then the other one. Uh, that's like a <laughs> Man, if, it, if you ever felt dis before, that was a great one. Yeah, and that's the other one. I don't, I don't remember the name of them. And then there's, the, then there's in, in Miami, isn't there a dump that turned into a downhill park or something? Man, you make it seem so great. It's so beautiful the way you word that. Um, <laughs> so, so trail bikes. Trail right? bikes. That's yeah, trail bikes. I, I was hanging out a while ago with uh, this, a couple guys, and we went to a kind of a trail they had built in a place you wouldn't expect trail bikes, AKA mountain bikes to be, uh, Oh, it was here. It was in Mobile, right? <laughs> well, so done. you guys, well you guys are already doing that. So when we say trail bikes, it opens up those people. And, and we love those people. Cause first of all, they're having a conversation about bikes, whether they hate them or like them or it doesn't matter or they're ambivalent. We get to tell them like, yeah, we've got trails. We've got trails that are really challenging. Mm-hmm. We take that word mountain out of it. We say trail bikes. And then there's a conversation. Now trail is also, like art is different for everybody. Some people it's a paved trail that's smooth and that's that's a trail. And some people it's gnarly rocks and craziness and it might be called birdie or whatever. That's a trail too. So the conversation just like anything is just getting to communicate what you're talking about and then people see like, oh, off road trails mean whatever. So like you guys in Alabama, we have uh, some talent in Florida, all over Florida, that just sees an opportunity and like you guys dedicate actual hard work and time, which is more valuable than money, I would argue. Uh, you guys make a dream happen, and, and that's that's Florida is crazy stuff that people come down there and don't bring their bikes, and they're like, ah, I should have brought my bike. I'm down here in January where you're riding in a T-shirt or short, you know, whatever you wear, spandex or whatever, and you're riding in 65, 70-degree weather in January, and the trails are had three world champions quit. Right. I mean, you're riding real deal stuff. Right. Yes, the dump you're talking about, there's a video called From Trash to Treasure, Virginia Key, uh, sponsored by Max Eichel. Thanks, Mary Jane. Uh, there's a, uh, they took the dredgings from the port of Miami and kind of put all this trash and all the stuff. And it's also where the, uh, shout out to Moz, it's where all the sewage goes through from Miami. Okay. So it's, it's called Virginia Key. It's just off of Key Biscayne. And this guy named Frenchie, who also works at Max Cycle, shout out Frenchie, uh, is an amazing guy. And he is the visionary for a lot of trails in South Florida. And he makes these trails. And then a storm comes and demolishes them. Does Frenchie quit? No. He provides opportunity for, thousands of people to have an outlet to go ride trails which are you're riding on the beach in miami and it's right there the ocean's lapping up and then you're on single track and then you're like oh shit i don't i can't make this oh man oh, i'm glad i have full suspension like it's badass like i try to sell it to people and they're just i'm not it's me i'm not delivering it right they're like i'm, not, I'm never going down the ride i'm not bringing my trail bike i'm bringing a cruiser or not i'm taking a bike at all uh but the trails are down there there's probably four or five systems just in south florida alone and we're going down next week yeah, we're taking full suspension trail bikes. Right. It's amazing down there. And you guys have the open mind, the gift of an open mind to 
go ride anywhere because you have made stuff and you see the value in being like, yeah, there's something everywhere. Mississippi, Florida, Colorado probably has trails, whatever. Yeah, no, no that's the thing. That, that's why I was, I was glad. Does that, Colorado have trails? Do they? Maybe. They have a few. Subtle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what trails. I saw that. You feel like the, the trails where there are mountains, that's maybe a loaded question, but do you feel like the trails that where there are mountains, those, they're hard to build. I get it. But do, do, does that area have an advantage that creates a different type of rider than the trails where we have to be scrappy and figure it out on where we have to be trail bikers and because we don't have the option of mountains, right? And we have to be scrappy. Do you think there's an advantage to that from a riding perspective? Scrappy. I like that. I think it's, I think it's inherent. It's in the person and you're going to make it happen. So I, I don't know if I coined this. I don't think I did and I don't need the credit, but um, if, if I'm sipping on your toes and saying fuck off, I don't care, but I call it the Kelly Slater effect. Okay. That guy grew up and learned to surf in Cocoa Beach. And if you're surfing in Florida, it's like you're trail riding in Florida. You're an optimist. You're making the most out of something. Man, what a quote. And that dude wound up being 10, maybe 11-time world champ, and he's old. He's like 40. He's pretty old. <laughs> so the fact that he rips the world's best waves, the hardest right. waves, and, and not only rips them, but like, in my opinion, like a Tom Curran, like a very artful, soulful, Rob Machado kind of like just as beautiful to watch. Uh, even in the competitive setting, which is probably hard to do. That guy made mountains out of molehills. And that's what our trail riders do. We, we've got incredible talent, like every state does. Uh, these guys go travel out of state, and they do great because when these guys go ride for, or girls, they go ride for two hours, they're pedaling for two hours. Right. And because we don't have these mass expanses of beautiful, like, granola bar commercials where you stop on the side of the trail, mm-hmm. like, oh, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. It's great, right? But the, they're riding for two hours, and they're riding in maybe it's 90 degrees in 100% right. humidity right. and they're riding for two hours straight and it's, they don't have a lot of space so it's really tight and it's all turns which in my opinion any racing is about the turns unless it's drag racing if you turn you're screwed but it's in the turns everybody can go pretty close to the same speed in the, in the, in the straights but the turns you traction suspension your lines it's all important so mm-hmm. it seems like there's more value to that and if you can bone up on that then you can take that anywhere and the relief is like, oh, I'm going downhill. I don't have to pedal for 20 minutes or right. five or three, 30 seconds, whatever it is like. So, yeah, I think I think it's it's in you to take it. Uh, obviously, there's a home track advantage. So if, if, you know, our guys that are talented that go up to Colorado to go race there, they do great. It's always it's always a badge of honor to be there, like racing in uh, Utah or Colorado. You see Utah first, Colorado second, Florida. And, man, that stands out brighter than anybody else. Like, who is this idiot? That's awesome. How did this happen? That is awesome. Right. And they're like, oh, the guy ain't trains them, whatever. There's trails there. And it, it, again, it's opening the minds of people to be like, hey, there's, there's trails everywhere. This guy comes from Florida. And that wasn't me in third place, on the, but somebody from Florida probably. <laughs> somebody. Yeah. So we, uh, one of the things I think is interesting, again, uh, just because this is a Christmas drop episode and somebody might come out of Christmas with a little extra money in their pocket and they're doing fairly well. And this is not, I'm not going to segue into it. And you can go to ridetherebellion.com to buy some merch. Oh, you just did. I know. I'm gonna. We're gonna make a Nixon shirt at some point. Oh, I have an yeah. idea. I have an idea. Is it and sleeveless? It's gonna, good. it's gonna be good. It'll be sleeveless. Oh, yeah, we'll yeah. I, I can do it. Um, all right, but let's say they have it. We talked about this, and we'll tease it up. We'll do a whole episode on this, but I think it's interesting while he's here. Mm-hmm. So you've got money to buy a new bike. Do you need me to give you a number? Does that make it easier for you guys, or no? Do we not say a number? Because either way, all right. Either let's way. say no number. Okay. Right. So here's the conversation. I think is interesting. So do you buy a pre-built, right? Do you buy used or do you build one, right? Because I think there's three different things. You have 
a rep here to some extent. You have a guy that's bought mostly used bikes until recently, and then you have a guy who's built his own a couple times. Mm -hmm. So what is your what is your take on that? Where where do you stand on that side of things? You're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, I understand. You are because do you have a preference because there? three of us did it differently. Yeah, and we're all love riding. Right. So the fact that there's so many avenues to get a bike is great because some people are intimidated by a used bike, not know having the knowledge. So then you get a new one or build your own or whatever that looks like. So it's it's really I find that selling bikes has really been in my experiences. You got to get them on the first bike, whether it's a POS or it's over there, whatever, whatever, get them on the bike, get them to experience what they want to do with that. Chances are they're going to buy the wrong bike for what they want to do. But the education with that bike is like, all right, now I've got a foundation of what I want to do. Uh, mountain bike is stupid. I'm going to buy a road bike or I don't want to be in traffic. So let me get a gravel bike. So there's that first bike is maybe the most important bike. And then from there, you've learned how you're going to buy a bike, whether you can build a bike and you want to build a bike, or whether you're confident like, hey, I feel like a used bike is probably in my, in my spectrum of getting a bike because I had experience with this one, and it was used, and it was a good experience, and you know what to look for. So yeah, I feel like there's no wrong way to do it. It's really about getting butts on bikes, and you guys are great about that too. I mean, the, the bikes I saw at the Reb were like a pretty good mix of really interesting stuff, and it, we identify with our bikes for sure. And right. no one, it was also refreshing because we do like to talk shit. No one's really talking shit about people's bikes. There were such a cool spread of bikes out there and also a great representation of different people. And again, that sounds cheesy, but that whole like community thing of just hanging out. And there was some talking shit, which I probably started and probably finished. Uh, probably should have finished early, but it was, it was so fun to be in that vibe because that vibe is, is everywhere. And if you bring it, and if, or if I don't have it and it's, and it's there, then I'm feeding off of that. Like, oh man, this is this is what I'm I need totally, to be. I'm, I'm totally with you. I I only bring it up just because I think it's an interesting thing of like not saying this is the de facto, which I appreciate your point on, but we've we've learned. I've learned things over time of like stuff. I I wish I had the knowledge of someone saying, hey, just a heads up. So it's more like a heads up scenario. So for example, um, I recently purchased that Trek EXE, right? Right. I bought it because I was angry in Chattanooga because I rode. I don't, I don't get a lot of time off to go ride. My family agreed to go with me. So my wife, the warden, gave me lots of permission, <laughs> right? And so I was riding a lot. I was gassed because I'm not used to climbing as much, right? Right, can, right. To your point about the Florida side, same thing here. And so I got up there. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buy an e-bike so that I, I can rotate on and off, right? right? So those days I can do that stuff. But then I bought the lowest end one. And now all of a sudden I'm in a spot where... I know enough about riding at least my other bike that's not because it was a high-end complete purchase. Right. Right. That I now I'm like, oh, I know why I bought that for why I like that fork over this now and, and those things. And it's like I should have it's one of those it's one of those instances where I wish I would have asked around a little more to get someone that has experience to be like, hey man, if you're gonna buy the low end bike, just know you're probably gonna end up upgrading everything just based on right. your riding style and that. And that's where <clears> I'm going from it. Like he did a build out. Would you change stuff now that you've shattered chains like 600 times? Yeah, but uh, having <laughs> Nixon around all weekend, we've kind of deduced the issues of the chain shattering. Oh, really? Yeah. But perhaps, extent. well, perhaps, because perhaps. we can never tell right. really. Um, but you know, we, we had some conversations about that. Uh, I will say that building a bike your own, it's exactly how you want it. It's mm -hmm. custom, yep. but it's way more expensive that way. So if you're looking, it depends, and everybody's looking for different things. Some people have the money and some people are willing to take a loan or some people credit card or whatever that looks like. Um, it's really what you're most comfortable with. And 
yes, use your community. Talk to people like you that went through that. And it doesn't mean, and I'm learning this the hard way, I used to think that if I gave somebody advice, they should take it. And if they don't take it, why am I giving you advice? And right. that's not what it's about. It's about just getting a general feel for things and Absolutely. going with that. Because, again, my hypocrisy is so deep. <laughs> I don't do that either. I, I ask for people's advice and I don't take it. Right. And I realize I probably should have a lot, most of the time. Um, that's not an apology to any of you, by the way. <laughs> that's I still won't take it. Uh, but what, but is it, it what, is the, what do y'all think the, the diagnosis on the chain is then? It's, um, it's, the, it's the part on top that's messing it up. What do you mean? The the big hundred oh, maybe yeah, two hundred ten pound on top of You're the bike. Talking about really... thunder 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 thighs over here. Uh, there was there were some uh, just from my from my having experienced what we were doing. There were some really rough shifts. Uh, the chain looks a little short. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of what I like to say little like little red checks. Like you get green checks and you get red checks. And with your bike. Uh, you just kind of ch- check things off. So, you know, the JRA, the, we hear that in the bike shop a lot. Like, I was just riding along and my bike split in half. JRA, that's fantastic. <laughs> and you, and, and that's, a, that's, a, uh, that's lore. That's been in bike shops since for, way before me. But they, there is this thing, and, and it's legitimate sometimes, but they say, I was just riding along and my frame split in half. <laughs> and that's a precarious thing to be in because you never want to make anybody feel guilty, right? right. You want to like, hey, you got a problem? Let's take care of it. What do right. you want to do? But some people use it as a get out of jail free card kind of thing. Like, I mean, they're going to obviously warranty this. And you're like, well, yeah, but let's just look at the YouTube and see this video where you jumped off this thing and you heard this loud crack three years ago. Right. And the fact that it fell off your car in a car rack that you put on your Facebook thing and, and you mentioned that and, and now you're still riding it. And yes, you were riding with your kid across the block and you went off a three inch curb and it cracked in half. Well, it didn't do that. It just finally gave out. So there are, uh, I forget where we're going with that, but there are a lot of things that checks. contribute to. Red there are a lot of yeah, the red checks. There are a lot of things that contribute to that age of the chain, uh, the shifting, the the mating of certain parts that should work together. I know it's like a commercial thing. Like Shimano says, "Hey, just use our stuff together," and SRAM says, "Just you know, they'll say that because there is real value to that." But of course, you can mix and match. But when you do that, you are putting a little, perhaps a little red check, being like, "Hey, that's just, it's not why, but it's another thing in that column to be like." It's not a green check because it's not all SRAM. Not saying all SRAM or all Shimano don't have their problems. You know, some things break. But there's so many variables now, it's really hard to diagnose exactly what it is. I always think that's interesting when we look at it from, we've talked about this a lot, is like you look at uh, parts and stuff. And so when you see a bike come out and you see it roll out and you see what's like, so, so I have a Gorilla Gravity. Right. And so all they are is a frame manufacturer. That's it. Right. And then they just assemble like a lot of other shops, but they just assemble whatever fits on their bike. Truly is what they've done, in my opinion, because they flop. And I'm sure there's a little bit of back end negotiation that goes along with, you know, uh, RockShox comes along and says, hey, we'll give you a discount on these forks if you buy X number. I get it. That's the business side. But I often wonder how much of it is. Did you guys really test this a season? Or is it a matter of like supply and demand situation where you're just buying what fits, you know, versus like if you're a bike manufacturer? Uh, I'm not throwing Cannondale or Trek or anybody under the bus or spec, but I'm sure they spend a lot more time looking at what components line up better for them. And they're probably two, three years in advance or maybe a year in advance, whatever it might be, versus what it seems like sometimes on these other bikes. And I'm not trashing Gorilla Gravity either, but where they are, they just kind of put parts on things, um, which I think is to your point about tolerances. I've always found that very fascinating because it, it. Right. I've seen other people go through stuff. And then I've seen French uh, Todd, not throwing him under the bus, but Todd that was out there with the Specialized. He loves that Orbea of his, but he breaks chains every single ride. And he thinks it's because of torque relation. And it could be, but it's one of those things of like, he's also monkeyed with a lot of different parts and right, all of a sudden right, you're getting right. out of, 
you're getting out of manufacturer tolerant specs and there's a range of that. Is there, do you, is that real or am I just talking shit as normal? No, no, I, th- I think, I think you are talking shit, but I think it's also real. Like, <laughs> they go hand in hand for sure. Um, there's just, again, so many variables and that's part of what keeps bike shops in business is that people monkey with their own bikes. And I'm not saying bike shops are perfect. Uh, going back to the manufacturers and specking bikes, that is a real serious game of trying to make value for money. Um, obviously, it's a business, so they're trying to make money, but they're also trying to keep their consumers. You're not trying to get the cheapest stuff out there. So, you know, if you sell uh, 600 of this model, but it was a, a dog, then you kind of misrepresented the brand. So they're trying to get the best stuff possible. And the testing that goes into, with some, especially the big companies that have the money to do that, the R&D that goes into that. I know at Cannondale, there are people that are, uh, that, that's their job. They're supposed to go out and find the stuff that works the best with what the bike can do in the parameters. So it has to have an offset. It has to have this. It has to be able to run the AI, which is uh, Cannondale's asymmetric integration, the way they do their uh, boost, which probably came out before boost, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, uh, innovation. Uh, but, but people like uh, Ian Moore or um, Sam or Nina, these are like, uh, as far as I know, they're like product managers that actually go, and a lot of times they'll ride this stuff. And they'll make sure that it fits with the parameters of what the bike's supposed to do because so much engineering goes into making these bikes ride as good as they can yep. that it doesn't it doesn't benefit them to put on some cheaper stuff, whether it's good or not. If it doesn't benefit the bike, then there's no point in doing that. So there really is a it's, – it's uber competitive out there where they're trying to get the best bang for the buck. And, yes, of course, Fox and RockShox, and they're all coming to the table with these new things. And, and there's deals. And, again, like a sponsorship, it's never just black and white. It's never like, hey, come to the table, buy this many, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. There's things like – Oh, you have a you have a team that's U.S. based. You do okay. Oh, so how about how about if you buy, we'll buy stuff from you, but then you got to support our team. And support means whatever it means. Maybe it's right. maybe it's twenty forks, or maybe well, hopefully we're riding lefties because that shit is dank. But if we have to ride regular forks, which is cool, you know, I'm not above that. Obviously, I'm riding a regular fork now. It's it's okay, uh, but. There are so many things that go into these deals, which is so cool. It keeps it exciting for these people to get the best product possible for, for the money. Yeah, no, totally makes sense. I, I just always think it's an interesting, there's so much behind it. And again, I guess because I'm a business guy and I care. I like biking. I like the industry. I like all of it. I like learning about it stuff. So it's, it's cool to me to hear that side of it. Someone who's seen that perspective and grown in that perspective. Dale today said something interesting. We were riding. Just and I took my headphone. It was in between songs, so I could hear him, unfortunately. <laughs> and he said, uh, he goes, yeah, but, but Drew and I, you know, and he, he's, you guys are, are great, like very humble, and it, it makes it even better. Obviously, I'm, I'm attracted to that. I love that where you guys are at. Uh, I'm, I actually, we're the humblest people we know. Even better, but our egos are so big that they keep us humble. It's like a reversion. Yeah, you call it your ego. We're black holes. Yeah, that's right. He said today, he goes, you know, but but Drew and I, we're so out of the bike industry, and I was like, you got to stop, you got to stop because your demographic, whatever you identify as, whatever your demographic is the bike industry, and I would say the most, the biggest part of the bike industry. They're not making bikes to be cool. They're making bikes to be in business. And you guys are buying the bikes. Right. And especially in your demographic of being over 30, I'm assuming, right? Is that a stretch? Fair enough. And being whatever you are, whatever else you are, that's who's buying the most bikes. And that's who they're trying to sell to. So you guys are, in fact, the bike industry. And you're probably paying full price for stuff too, which is, again, so valuable for companies and bike shops and everything else. So it's like, that's a huge deal. Now, when you guys get sponsored, it'll be different. But then sponsorship, you're selling more bikes for the company. So it works for everybody. It's just, you know... 
Give I'll get it. I'm all for it. Look, I'll, I'll sell out in a second. Yeah. No yeah, problem yeah. with it whatsoever. Because at the end of the day, like you said, it's enabled you. Right. So my passion will be if we, we did a job once and, and got hired by Panasonic. And we weren't trying to be a brand sponsor, but we ended up being a brand sponsor. And we launched one of their cameras in this huge format. And they just walked over or called us and said, here's $25,000. Make whatever you want. Parameters are X. Like that's dream stuff when you get to that point when you can go down that path and literally just do whatever you want. Right. So I'm all for it. I'll sell out and jump down that because it did enable us to do better and better things. Sorry. Well, can, may I ask? I'm going to ask you a question. I almost asked if I could ask, but I'm perfect, no. Perfect. I'm asking you a question. If you didn't believe in a product, would you accept their sponsorship? Um, yes and no. So here's how that's worked for me before. Is that if it were something that I felt well, on a moral objection right? Like okay. they did something. Um, then I would probably pass. But if it's a product in which I can help sell it, I'm in advertising. I will shamelessly pedal whatever I got to. Pedal. I like that. Pedal. So, yeah, you like that. So one of the things that they ended up having like with Panasonic, eventually we outgrew their cameras and we, it didn't matter anymore. But we had made so much content for them. We sold a bunch of We were basically sponsored. We were brand ambassadors. Right. And I own Reds. Reds are the equivalent of an eighty thousand dollar camera versus a three thousand dollar camera. Right. Panasonic being three, Red being eighty. I still use the Panasonic over it because it helped them sell cameras, and that's the right. relationship we had. Yeah. And so I have no problem with it because there's no moral objection. It's just Birdie, please stop. I'll ignore her. That's you're fine. I just do the cold. No, she'll just keep doing it though. She's I like the attention. Well, that's good. Sorry, Elise. <laughs> and Ryder. Uh, oh, I'm in trouble with the other Elise, dog. Elise, Birdie is a dog. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> just in case. Anyway, so no, that's an interesting point. I don't know. Would you? Would you? How would you do with that? Because you're a little more, you're a little more convicted about stuff like that. Well, first of all, I've been sitting in this conversation. Twenty dollars or twenty dollars, I guess. Yeah. Also, and I, <laughs> sometimes I wonder, like, how do I fit in this room? Because you guys have done such, like, both of you in your industries have done such successful and like great and grand things. Like, it's crazy to me. Like, if somebody was actually interviewing me, I'd be like, well, <laughs> one time. I play basketball. Uh, <laughs> no, know, but like, that's not fair because no, it's not it's the not. community side of things of playing that flag and seeing the outside of how that works. I don't. It. I, I'll say it publicly. I think it's bullshit that you don't get paid for what you currently do. Right. Right. Because there's money there to do it. I'm calling it out. I'll say it. Yeah. Right. I'll throw myself under the bus and get spanked later. But <laughs> I think it's bullshit because the amount of stuff and that generates revenue back for it. Non for profits still have officers that literally help run the business. You are running a business. There's two of you. One yeah. of you is nice enough to forego that. The other of those is, is you. And you should get back. <laughs> so, like, I think to some extent, you you're undervaluing based on if I'm being candid societal norms because mm -hmm. I've worked with you I dropped it I, Dale became a grip grips are guys that like hold up put up stands yeah he told me the story he, he was on fire about it. he loved that he's freaking uh, good at it it turns yeah. out he's really good at it yeah. and then I tested him and, and made him go work with somebody else and it wasn't me like just to make sure it wasn't a friendship right thing. right and they all were like Dale did a great job so you got the ability to do whatever you want you just gotta you I gotta don't know what I want you gotta be break those chains up. Okay, well, so let's just talk. Let's in the bicycle world, right? Okay. You say like you on the microphone. You go, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do I how do I contribute yeah. to this? We talked about marketable things like people buying bikes, and mm -hmm. um, you had a surprise party with yeah. a shit ton of people at your house, right? right? I was at the Reb. I am super thankful you guys let me go to the Reb. That was I, mm -hmm. I, again, if there were shit trails, I probably wouldn't tell you. Uh, but I was so <laughs> I was so honored to be invited to go there. But they were those trails again. I've ridden trails. I've ridden a lot of trails that that I like. I've written a lot that I love. I've written some that didn't suit me, 
but it's something different that I'm all about. I'm opening my mind to ride something different that doesn't yeah. maybe vibe with me, but I'll try it for sure. I'll try it. Um, but what you do is, is maybe the most important thing. And again, sounding cheesy on the hippie level, but you bring people together. And yes, that does eventually become marketable for bike shops because people are buying bikes. They're asking you guys what you have and they see the clothes you have and they buy these sweet potato with a Duke on the back and they're buying stuff. So there's a real buying power market, but more importantly, you're providing a community for guys like Todd or uh, John Mackey who didn't show up. I'm not sure if he exists even. Uh, or like Jakey Poo or uh, Captain America Paul or uh, Justin uh, Buenos Dias. There's, <laughs> you, you do the best part of I think what we do I think what I we do is important but, but there's totally it's agree. a puzzle where you might be the most integral piece of that puzzle you're gonna cry bitch <laughs> no <Not> perfect <laughs> um, so what I saw the what I've seen though is like you're you maybe resonate with us and like what we do and we resonate with you because we have the same philosophy towards the sport right right like you did what we are doing as like a zero drop, have fun, just don't suck personality when you were riding for Cannondale, like on a higher level. So I think for us to talk to you and like get to see, damn, what we're doing isn't unachievable on a large scale. Right. You know, like you've done it and you did it without head microphones and social media and we're super successful with it. So yeah, like, but he, I think he embodies the spirit of rebellion. No, of right. the rebellion. Yeah, he definitely does. I made it. Yeah, but but for real though, I mean yeah. that's what it is. You proved you. That's what I was saying. You walked your own path to get there. Yeah. You walked your own path to get there. We've yeah. all kind of been down that path. Like I think that's a crucial part of. That's the my favorite thing about mountain biking now. Again, the fitness was something else. It's the mental gains that right. I've gotten from it. And it's almost and it just so happens I lose a little weight or I feel better yeah. about my body yeah. or whatever it, it might almost be. Almost goes full circle back to what bike do you buy or build or rent or whatever. You appreciate the shitty one you start with. Oh yeah. Right. To appreciate the good one you have now. Right? Like Bug was an example of that. Yeah, Bug. We were talking to Bug last night about it and Bug doesn't do any maintenance on his bike. He doesn't clean it. I mean, I maybe taught him his maintenance policy. Oh, Bug, you may want to re- you <laughs> yeah, may want so, rethink that one. I didn't teach him because there's none. <laughs> there's no maintenance policy. I've heard your bike creak <laughs> so, this morning. So the you had you could hear that? I, I didn't know you could Shattered hear that. windows. <laughs> right. I'll probably fix that. No. <laughs> so, so um, <laughs> yeah, so Bug last night, his energy of towards like, yeah, his, his first bike that he had was good for what he was doing. But like you said, you... You learn and you upgrade and it gets better based on you getting better. Right. right. But right. I always have this theory and I've said it on here before. Mountain biking or trail biking is super cheap. Oh yeah. Trail biking is super cheap until you have friends that do it. Right. right. So you're like influenced by your social circle. Guess who the social circle is? It's us. Like so we can influence totally whoever true. comes <laughs> into the circle to do what we think is cool. Right. Or what we want them to do. Which is marketable, as you've proven through Cannondale, is marketable for a company to approach. Oh, us they proved say, it through me. I didn't. I had very little. Hand, I had the easy part. Yeah, but taking stickers and hats and wearing them. Be very, like, oh. Yeah, but you're passionate about it. like you. Can, oh, right, You right. know, like and that comes across. Like, hey, I want to talk to the funny guy that got last place. I mean, so it happens. <laughs> it happens. Um, so I don't know how. Somebody by the way, this place. is going to go by. We're going to end, and it's going to be way too soon. That's how. I know I'm having a good time because it yeah. ends way too fast. Yeah, well, I was going to give you just a heads up. It is 11 o'clock Central, which is 12 p.m. your time. Okay. And you had an ETA of uh, whatever. Five, yeah. yeah. And so I just want to give you a heads up if you... Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's, keep, let's keep going. All right. Um, but one, one of the races I did, again, there are probably more funny races than actual like performance races that I did. But there was one in a very short track that we have um, 
in uh, Deerfield Beach, Florida. It's a very short track. It's a lot of fun. And I remember doing a group ride in the morning uh, with the candle truck was there, and we did a road ride. And secretly, sorry, Mom and Dad, I, I love road riding. I don't tell a lot of people. I mean, I don't know how many people listen bug, whatever, don't worry about it. But I do love road riding. I like to talk shit because for, for me, it's funny for me. And if somebody else laughs, then great. But uh, I did a road ride in the morning, and we had a de- kind of a demo, a loose demo, where we got some guys on the bikes and it was like very impromptu and it was like on the fly we used to do demos like gorilla style like come into a group ride and be like hey who wants to ride a, a whatever bike and getting guys off their road bikes is pretty tough because they're very like hey performance based and this is like this oh is yeah bike but we got like three guys on the bikes and i had a, we had a show it was the mike's ride down in south florida it was a blast and then i had a race that i had to go to at 11 o'clock so i went to the race and i remember doing my four laps and i came in pretty slow on the last lap and when i came in i had to email the race director to be like, hey, you already packed up the finish line and everybody that raced has gone home. And this is on a six-mile track. It was my <laughs> last lap. That's how long my six miles the last one. I remember coming in and being like, well, I don't want a DNF on next to my name. So I had to call him and said, I just finished. So he wound up changing being like, <laughs> I mean, it was like nine hours, whatever he put on the nine hours or whatever. But oh, uh, yeah, I, I have, I have uh, as a matter of fact, pulled off my jersey and put it on my helmet and slept on the side of the trail during a race. I've done that during an endurance race. And I got uh, third in that one. That was the, the triple bypass or something we did in Santos in Florida. I remember a guy coming Good to get me like, you okay? Grief. I'm like, yeah. Put my jersey back on, went in, crossed the finish line. And then for the whole thing, I wound up getting enough points to uh, place on the podium. That's Good. awesome. What's, the, what's your jam? Is it, if, it's an A or B. Because I, I want you to be, I want to polarize it a little bit here. Okay. Riding a fresh trail, brand new trail, something you've never ridden, basically, or the old familiar. What's your, what's your favorite? Man, A or B, that's tough. Um, I'll I'll go with. I want to say fresh because you're supposed to say fresh, but man, riding, getting in that groove, and you know the lines. Yeah, there's something there's something cool about that. Being like, all right, I'm getting a little whether it's quicker or or better handling or, or the two that go together. Oftentimes, there's something about being in that. We talked about like mm-hmm. turning off that that internal thought and it becomes about like finding that flow and being like oh, i'm there whether that flow is 15 miles an hour or three miles an hour through a super techie section okay so i'll go that's your answer i'll go with the tried and true and what i know because also the beauty of trails it's always changing right that trail today and after a storm is something completely different and right. then then the season comes along and then it's the same again so i've always i would go with the tried and true because it, it never is it is the same that's good I've i think it's awesome and I think like getting his perspective yesterday, and like he's obviously a lover of trail bikes. Like it's his life; it's always been his life. Um, but like getting him to ride the rebellion with us, and like we've built it. Like I, we say, we are addicted to the feeling of somebody else's excitement on right. the trail. That's a very obvious. Yeah, and like when you're there and you like finish, and you're like, "Damn, that was awesome!" And yeah. so like to get validation from someone that's traveled around the world and gotten to ride a lot of other places is really cool for us, you know, as a, as a group. But yeah, thank you. Yeah. But you having me here and holding me in this regard of having been experienced some things, right. That's validation for me. So it's a two way street, which is most things it's, it's again, it's It's a, it's it's this hugging thing that we keep doing. Right. Yeah. It's like a DVD, but where you put the, what is it called? No, 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 we'll keep it a DVD. (laughs) Japanese paintings, Japanese paintings, (laughs) Japanese paintings. (laughs) 
Uh, had you been here for the pre-show, you would have gotten that gag out of the way. Um, uh, yeah. Is there anything you need to plug? Is there? Do you do you do the uh, follow me on social? I mean, I'm I'm just looking at time. Wait, wait we have one thing. He has to tell us the pastor, the the, the old bull. Oh wait, that, that yeah, was gonna like, be my that was gonna be my sign off. I was gonna let him sign off. Well, I think we're good on time, so I, I don't want, whatever your time limit is, okay, we should okay, do that. Okay. So yeah, the, we're knocking on. We can do the old. We're giving bull. you the bonus. Time. Okay, the old bull kind of flows with the conversation, anyways. So yeah, it's like. Yeah. Well, it started with the you saying that the guy golfing, who yeah. you know you smashing, he won fifties, won fifties, right, right, winds up killing it. So, uh, in the movie uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Heartbreak Ridge, I believe it is. I'm a big fan of that movie. Big fan of Clint Eastwood. Uh, he has a conversation when he's talking to these young Marines, and he says, "I'm probably saying the wrong movie, but again, I don't care. The, the lesson isn't there." Where uh, and Coots, if you're listening, you're probably not, but if you are, this is for you, baby. There's an old bull and a young bull standing on top of a hill. And the young bull, they're looking down on this field, and there's all these cows down there. And the young bull says to the older bull, hey, we should run down there, fuck a cow, and run back. And the old bull says, son, we'll walk down and fuck them all. I just want to end the show right there. I mean, you can. You can. You can. It just just cuts away. It goes straight to black, and that's the end of it. And it's just like... We have that as a soundbite now, though. Oh yeah, we're gonna use it. But the the thing that's funny to that that thing is like you you said that yesterday. But fr- I think whatever day when you got in town, well, you were telling me because I was like, so what's your role with Cannondale now? You're like, well, I'm out to the pasture. I'm just like the old bull. So like when you said it, it was oh, like right. it was like full circle for me. Like that was a right. That was the funny part about it. I don't know if you intended it to be funny. I, I didn't. Sometimes you, I don't know with you. That's I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. You're in a big group of people that are ambiguous about what I'm saying. You're yourself included. <laughs> uh, but if 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 we are running low on time, I will plug some things. I will plug uh, hashtag Trailahassee on Instagram. Also hashtag Tallahassee Trail Festival. That's all Tallahassee features and trails. Most of them. I'm, I'm trying to get more. Um, I'll also tag Visit Tallahassee. Uh, we've got great trails. And you guys, there's an invitation anytime come to Tallahassee. Uh, I would love to spend the time and show you what I think you guys would like the most and, oh, and make right. the most of your time there. We've got breweries. We've got... They have cider. We'll find a, a cider or two, perhaps. Uh, we might even have cider fest at my house and have you guys camp in the backyard. And my neighbors won't be too excited about that, but that's okay. They'll learn. It'll be one night. Because it's an apartment? That would be... Uh... Yeah, that would be even better, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would love for you guys to bring... If it's just you guys or, or one of you or whatever, or if it's a crew, we'll do it. We'll accommodate you. Uh, I'm affiliated. I work with a, a great bike shop, Epic Bike Shops in uh, Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, they're all about accommodating. They're all about the ride. They're like, hey, man, what's it going to take to get you riding? We're going to fix your bike. We're going to get you a bike. We're going to give you trail beta. Whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's a really cool vibe there. All the shops in Tallahassee are great because you walk in and there's not that, what I call... Uh, Sasquatch too. Oh, with a Full mini Sasquatch. Sasquatch mode. Yeah. Dang. You got him. Uh, but there's that vibe when you walk in, you're cool. That's awesome. It's not a you walk in and uh, oh, you know whatever that, whatever that is. We've yep. all experienced that. Yep. It's a, hey, man, what's going on? And it's a real like, what is going on? And you, you should have an answer ready because we want to engage in conversation with you. So uh, again, when I was there when I was there in Tallahassee. To your point, like a couple of the guys that were U.S. Forest Service workers, they didn't have bikes, and they loaned them some specialized stump jumpers or something for, yeah. the, for the week. And I was like, that's pretty rad. Yeah, like, he was riding it all around, like slamming it through the through the. I mean, 
riding it smoothly yeah. <laughs> through the pump track. JRA, I don't know what happened. Yeah. My chain snapped. Through the pump track, and he's like, oh, I got to get this bike back really quick. I was like, back where? And he had, they loaned it to him all week. for the, That's fantastic. For the okay, so really. again, marketing. Mm-hmm. You're both in, we're all in marketing. Mm-hmm. You just validated that whole thing with, with the goodness of those guys lending the bike. Right, and I remembered it. That story comes now, and we've got Bug, okay, probably still, probably, fall asleep but he's listened to it so that comes full circle that attitude of like you guys have just helping people out building trails and and creating that stoke it always comes back around so now epic bikes has credit for lending random guys bikes and it's a a marketing thing so i'll plug uh uh probably the fastest bikes around camdo bikes they're amazing definitely test ride ones see see if you feel uh that's the bike for you if you can ride a lefty ride it it's not for everybody um those bikes. Don't you go in circles though? If you ride a lefty, doesn't it just go? Uh, it? Yeah, yeah. If you're an idiot. <laughs> so yeah, you two. Yeah, it'll be tight circles. Yeah. Uh, but regular people, no, it's uh, it's an amazing product. It's really cool. Uh, but obviously, I'm a big fan of Candle. Candle, thank you for every opportunity um, in the past and present and hopefully the future. Um, he's still in the pasture. He's still alive. In the I'm pasture. still there, man. Still yeah. in the pasture, hanging out. Kids jump at the fence, and I don't chase them. I'm I'm old. I'll be 62 and. Well, we know. 11 years. <laughs> no big deal. It changes every time. If you guys yeah, told, it does. If you've been if you around, it's, no one knows, and it's never going to get known. Well, if you want to know the age, it's I was born the same year that uh, NPR, a Starbucks, uh, a small company called Cannondale. What year? 1971. Oh, the same look year. at that. Full, You're a young man. Oh, You're a good young man. You got a ways to go. I'm almost dead. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good with it. I'm just saying, we're at the end of the road. Let's uh, end of the trail. <laughs> wait, wait till you're rowing your little rowboat around in a circle, <laughs> one handed, <laughs> one handed, playing with your dinghy. Hey, you yeah. got to be there. That was a, that was another one. Got it. Last night. <laughs> that was when we were listening to the chocolate with a couple sausages. ciders. Yeah, yeah. And the Hello Kitties. I got to blow her out there. I got to kill her. That's gonna drive me nuts. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this episode. As Nixon said, you can follow. What's your uh, at Nixon, Nixon. At Nixon rides on Instagram, and yeah, that's probably the most. Uh, that's probably the most that I do right there. Yeah, hit him on the gram at Nixon rides. And thank you so much for coming, man. We oh man, a, ple- a, a real pleasure. Pleasure doesn't sell it, but uh, thanks for letting me stay at your house. Thanks for accommodating me. Of letting me ride the Reb. I feel like I got a backdoor experience with you guys. <laughs> 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 eh, still oh, hurts. Still hurts a little bit. Uh, that's my sad last night. Just seen the fifth guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's for Paul. Oh man, Paul, eat it up, Captain America. All right, well, that said, uh, I'm going to wrap it up here. And as always, just remember what Nixon says. Ride it like you stole it. Perfect. Oh, man, you got him. Good. That was a good one. He closed it well. Dead in the... Do you need me to give you a cue? No, I was started sweating. I started like, (laughs) I always forget this part. How do I forget? And then you, you like, tee it up, and I'm still like... Probably better that you didn't tee it up for me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, kill the stream, Dre. Man, that was... 